previously on Film Code. Nathan's code word proved so difficult, no one would even give it a try. I'll just start out and say I have no guess, so <laughs> ruin the suspense. Sweet, so I stay <laughs> ruin in the lead. Suspense. I am clinching uh, another order. week of the lead. Yeah, exactly. I have no guesses. It don't help. <laughs> <laughs> one bit. I got nothing. You're kidding. <laughs> I really don't. I'm looking You're now. Kidding. I have no guess whatsoever. <laughs> With Nathan firmly in the lead, will anyone be able to catch up when Phoenix gives us his new code word? Or your code word was Detroit. And your clues were a film that took place between 1990 and 1999. It involves someone from the Terminator franchise. And one of the actors appeared in a DC superhero franchise. Plus, the guys review the brand new movie from Pixar. It's Soul. And what did they think were the top five most surprising and most disappointing movies of 2020? Find out all that and more on the last episode of 2020, this week on Film Code. You are now Film Code. Start program. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to Film Code. Is this the 30th? Oh, no, last, the uh, 31st. 31. Yeah, we're 31 years old, guys. All right, so <laughs> uh, Merry Christmas to everyone. I hope you guys had an excellent holiday. Uh, we had a blast uh, doing our, our Christmas special and everything. Uh, we want to uh, keep going, so also uh, Happy New Year's to everyone. Uh, and... Uh, Let's get started. I'm, of course, Phoenix Cloudin. Uh, I am joined with three awesome co-hosts this evening, or actually, I should say morning when we record this. Uh, let's kick off. I'm, I'm exhausted. Let's do this. Uh, <laughs> first up, uh, he's here, the CEO of Hallmark Movies himself, Mr. Nick Spain. Nick, how are you? Doing well. Uh, happy New Year, everybody. By the time this episode goes live, it'll be... January 2nd, 2021, which is music to everybody's ears as 2020 <laughs> has been a very hellish year. So hello to my future self um, and <laughs> super excited to, to talk about uh, movies in 2020 and it be out in 2021. Absolutely. Yes. And joining us this week, super happy to have him back. Uh, Mr. KJ. KJ, how are you, sir? Welcome back. Yes, sir. Doing well. Uh, excited to be back. Always a great time when I get to spend uh, some time in the morning with you all on Sunday. Uh, yeah. Ready to talk some movies. Uh, I think we have some uh, good content today. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Well, welcome back. We're so happy to have you. And of course, we are joined by the CEO of Hot Takes himself. We are so excited because we believe he will have one for this episode as well. Mr. Nathan Pig. Nathan, how are you? I'm great. Just happy to be back with you guys. I got a new microphone for Christmas, as you guys can see, as you guys already know. So hopefully I sound different. Hopefully I sound better. I feel a lot more professional just overall with this thing <laughs> sitting in front of me. So I'm hyped to to bring this into action. And if it starts going wonky or I start sounding wonky, you guys got to give me some visual cues or something. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you know. Uh, yeah, so uh, real quick. Uh, like Nathan said, it, uh, we just recently celebrated Christmas. We're, we're recording this on the 27th. Uh, so Christmas was awesome, guys. Uh, how was your holiday? What, KJ, how was your holiday? What'd you do? It was smooth. Um, you know, woke up, spent some time with the family, opened some gifts. Um, and something that we did this year was uh, my parents cooked and then my grandparents cooked all over. Uh, we all live in the same city. So then we just exchanged food and exchanged gifts. Um, try to keep everybody as safe as possible during this time. Hopefully everybody else's family is safe as well. Um, but it was a fun time being able to at least exchange gifts and exchange some good food. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you got to eat some good food. I, uh, I did not, I was not so lucky, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. And like we also said, this will be, uh, coming out after the new year. So let's talk to our, our future selves and, uh, Say, uh, how was your New Year's, guys? <laughs> how, how much did you drink? And uh, how hungover are you? <laughs> well, nothing's going to yeah, get really. me more hungover than uh, 2020 has. So <laughs> I'm just I'm just excited to, to say goodbye to this awful year, not only for everything going on globally. Of course, we are aware of that. But more so talking movies, like, because that's what we do. Um 2020 has been the worst year of movies I think ever. So I'm ready to kiss it goodbye, get these Oscar releases that come out in January, February, and then just kiss it all goodbye and move on to 2021. From a cinema perspective, it's just been ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, there's no denying that. And 2021 uh, saw a lot of our 2020 movies move to that year. So we can only hope it'll be much, much better. All right, so before we get into all that, it's time to talk about the newest, latest release from Disney+. Plus. This was a theater-to-streaming release, a movie that I was so looking forward to this year. It finally landed on Disney+, Plus on Christmas Day, and that is Soul. What the... What is this place? What's your name, honey? Uh, I'm Joe. I teach middle school band. Cotty, go for it! Today started out as the best day of my life. Back here tonight, first show's at 7. Yes! Woohoo! You know what that's gonna say? Joe Gardner! <laughs> I did it! I got the gig! Must have been sudden for you. Ah! Oh my goodness, oh my goodness! Help! I'm not done! Oh my, oh my goodness! Huh? Is this heaven? No. 
great before. This is where new souls get their personalities, quirks, and interests before they go to Earth. Meet 22. I don't want to go to Earth. Stop fighting this. I don't want to. Uh... <laughs> okay, look, I already know everything about Earth, and I don't want anything to do with it. You're missing out on the joys of life, like, uh, pizza. I can't smell. We can't... We can't taste either? All that stuff is in your body. No smell, no taste. Or touch. See? Okay, I get it. Wow. It's my life. Is all this living really worth dying for? You're still alive? Can you help me get back? No way! There I am. What are we waiting for? Wait, not me! That's weird. What is it? 151,000 souls go into the great beyond every day, and I count every single one of them. The count's off. Huh. So, we're talking Soul, one of the uh, few animated films released this year. Uh, we're obviously going to do non-spoilers right now, so uh, Nick, why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on Soul? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is is that this is the, the second time we've reviewed a Pixar movie this year. So at least Pixar is keeping up with with their movies. They don't really have to be socially distanced because, you know, it's an animated movie. Animated people can't get COVID unless they uh, make like a COVID-19 simulation. Right. Um, but my big beef, and I think a lot of other people's big beef with Onward is something that Pixar has been able to do so well over the course of their movies is make them family friendly, make mm-hmm. them good for children, but also make it enjoyable for adults. Put that adult humor in there and still have it entertaining for adults. That was the biggest beef I think a lot of people had with Onward. And it's totally the flip side with with Soul is that it's a fantastic adult animated movie from Pixar it just talks about so many deep underlying things about life. Pixar's always so ambitious when it comes to these projects. And this was super ambitious. Um, and I think it, it paid off very well for them. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd love to follow that up. It's no secret that I hate onward. Um, <laughs> that will be, that will be brought up again this episode later on, but. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like Nick talked about, Onward just he hit a lot of the same notes that, that I complain about. It was lazy writing. It was not enjoy it was clearly a kid's movie. And we're talking about Pixar, which is a kid's franchise, but the adults in the room could love Pixar movies just as much as the kids in the room for most of their movies, but not with Onward. And I feel like Soul was a total change, a total return to form for them. Um I really enjoyed this story. I think Obviously, the animation is wonderful. Um, I feel like Pixar's obviously grown leaps and bounds in, in that aspect as technology's evolved. But um, really enjoyed listening to Jamie Foxx too in, in a voice role. You know, mm-hmm. he always plays that that badass, the guy that you don't want to look at the wrong way. But it was fun seeing him play the the everyday man that's just grateful, and I, I loved hearing his voice in this. So um, that's my immediate take off the bat. So we get Django in, in 2012, 
released on Christmas Day, Jamie Foxx, and then we got Christmas Day Soul from Jamie Foxx. Completely wow. different. Yeah. <laughs> I would definitely uh, follow all that up, enjoyed the movie, um, especially being somebody that, you know, got off work 10.30, came home, ate dinner, started a movie by 11.30. Wasn't expecting to really be up throughout the whole movie, um, especially like when it started. I was like, okay, uh, I might have to do a quick one in the morning and just hurry up and watch it in the morning. But stayed up the whole time and really enjoyed myself. I'm very glad that I did as well. Um, kept me invested. My parents actually watched it while I was at work. Uh, yesterday because they watched it right before I watched it. It kind of sucked. Um, but they already told me that they enjoyed it. Uh, so it was definitely an experience and uh, one that I'm glad I had. All right. I actually hated this movie. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, I, I knew your thoughts, Phoenix. Thanks, yeah. Twitter. Yeah. I, I adored this movie. Uh, Jamie Foxx was incredible. Uh, Tina Fey, actually, you know, I've always enjoyed Tina Fey, but like she was fantastic in this. I, I really what I really enjoyed, too, was that there were moments where you could tell like, oh, yeah, that's Jamie Foxx. But then there were also moments where it was like he really felt like, you know, Joe Gardner. And I was like, you know, it's just like the the nuances in Jamie Foxx's voice sort of dis- disappeared. And you could really feel him through this character. So I really liked that. And same with Tina Fey. I really just, if I hadn't looked up the cast, I wouldn't have known that this was her. So uh, it, it, it sounds silly, but there are actors and actresses who are just perfect voice actors. Mm-hmm. It, it, it sounds so odd to say that because obviously everyone has a voice and everyone talks, but some people, which is their reflections and their tone are just perfect. Josh Brolin is one that comes to mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if we necessarily call Thanos a voice actor or what, but <laughs> he's one that's perfect. And I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, I just love Jamie Foxx uh, as his character. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was a, they, they did a really great job. And like Nick said, the, the animation. Wow. Like, like, yeah, leaps and bounds. And I'm scared to see what, what Pixar will look like in, in 10 years from now. Cause this is really kind of just scary how yeah. how amazing this this technology was and just the animation was ridiculous. I saw some people say like they were they thought they had actually taken like real people and put it in the movie because uh, certain scenes were just like super realistic. Uh, so those are our initial thoughts. So we're gonna go ahead and break the seal here and talk spoilers. Uh, if you have not seen Soul yet, I encourage you to do so. And then come back and listen to this episode if you want to hear our, our spoiler thoughts. So uh, going off on spoilers, Nathan, uh, why don't you start us off? Yeah, I know that you guys are are <laughs> angsty, especially Phoenix and Nick are angsty to hear <laughs> all my thoughts on this. I think you have like a running bet or something on, yeah. on what I'm going to say. Yeah, no, look, we have I mean, over under. I mean, um, you know, as the CEO of Hot Takes, I think it's right to start this off. Um, I, I, I enjoyed it, right? Like I said a few minutes ago, I think it's a return to form for Pixar. They take this unique concept and actually make it interesting, actually make it involving. Um, whereas Onward was just this absolutely random, let me pull things out of my butt story. Right. Um, you know, my dad, my dead dad is pants story. Um this was truly a story that anyone can relate to. You know, 
whether you're a child, whether you're an old man, whether you're a mother or whomever you are, whatever situation you're in in life, um, this has messaging for you. And that is more so what I love about this movie with Pixar getting back to its underlying messages. Um, and I think that was so strong. Um, I don't think I'm as high as the, on the voice cast as, as you are, Phoenix, as far as I love Jamie Foxx, and that's kind of where the bill stops for me. <laughs> but um, everything else, uh, of course, with the animation was wonderful. And then we'll, we'll talk story uh, after I hear from you guys. Yeah, um, we talked pre-show, and I've actually um, seen this movie twice. Nice. So, um, so I watched Soul on Christmas, and then following that, I watched Toy Story, which is Pixar's first film. And we've already mentioned the beautiful animation, but just to watch a film that came out 25 years ago from the same <laughs> studio, to see how far they evolved is crazy there's one shot in this movie where it's like you see this overground subway and then it like pans down to like the street and i'm pretty sure it's like around the barber scene and it looks like straight out of real life like it didn't even look animated at all where you come from toy story where the the dog um that sid has literally just looks like a bunch of circles and cylinders added together um, so just the jump in, in storytelling first uh, animation from that standpoint. And also Nathan mentioned it earlier, like this didn't sound like Jamie Foxx. Like if you didn't know anybody coming into this, you wouldn't have even known as Jamie Foxx where in Toy Story, Tim Allen and Tom Hanks, you could totally tell it's them. It's not a negative. It's not a positive. It's just how it is. So they've Pixar has come so far. And like Nathan mentioned, we'll get to story later. Yeah, add into that. Um, of course, loved it. Beating a dead horse here as well. <laughs> Seeing the animation um, just to begin with, like it's kind of like the first thing that you notice. Um, like I really wasn't paying any attention to what was going on, like story wise or talking wise. So the first like two three minutes, I was just amazed at how good it looked. Um, reminds me of if you get like a next gen console for video games and you're just like, mm. wow, like this is like such an upgrade. Like how was I even doing the things beforehand? Uh, that's just like how I felt with this. Um, little different with Jamie Foxx being a voice actor. I could um, notice, but I believe that that's because I used to watch like the Jamie Foxx show growing up. So like, I just know his voice. So some of the, some of his, um, I guess the things that he does with his voice, um, fluctuation, whatever it may be. Uh, of course, if anybody else did the part two, you'll be able to notice, but there's just some things that like stood out to me and I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's Jamie Foxx. Like I've heard this before kind of, um, but still he did a wonderful job. I mean, the man is extremely talented and overall helped make this movie great. Yeah, uh, I want to touch on one thing that uh, Nathan said about this being a return to form for for Pixar, um, yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Uh, you know, this I would say what in the past few years Pixar's had, they did Onward, Coco, Inside Out, Toy Story Three, Toy Story Four. Uh, there was another one that I'm forgetting that wasn't very well. Oh, Incredibles Two. Um, so like, I think you can find a fluctuation of uh, 
of uh, responses between those those films. But like, I think for the longest time, everything Pixar did was just out of the park. You know what I'm saying? Just like home runs left and right. And, you know, they started getting a few doubles and a few triples, but never, you know what I'm saying? Never a home run. This is a home run. Like this was sensational. Like, er, er, like I don't want to dote on it so much because I'm sure we'll get into things that uh, that we didn't like as much. But like, uh, one thing I absolutely have to point out is that barbershop scene. Um, mm. The barbershop scene is probably one of my favorite favorite things in this movie, and it's just ridiculous how much I didn't realize how important it was. Uh, there's a little docu series on Disney Plus called Inside Pixar. And it follows a few people who worked on the different Pixar films. One of them is Kent Powers. He's the co-writer and co-director of, of this movie. And um, and he talks about that scene about like, you know, if you're going to a big gig, you know what I'm saying? One of the things you have to do is get your hair cut. And he was just like the importance of that, of seeing the, those characters on screen and and how how it was shot. I mean, I cannot... I cannot talk about how well that that scene was shot. I mean, just how calming and relaxing it was, the close-ups of like hair being brushed and stuff like that. It just felt like you were there. It was just one of the most incredible scenes I think I've ever seen. Well, and since we're touching on the little things, especially with the scene, I want to talk about the scene with his mother where he, Mm. um, you know, confronts her and asks for, you know, a new suit or, or to stitch his pants. Um, I just thought that was fantastic. And you talk about Pixar movies always have so much heart. Um, this is easily the biggest uh, or most heartfelt scene in this movie. You know, his, his mother wants him to have a, a real job, a man's job, a job that pays, a job that has benefits. And no matter what you're dealing with in life, that that's the ultimate goal for anyone but especially with his father having been a musician and and seeing that struggle and she just doesn't want that for her son and and this is something that i feel like the adults in the room will yeah. understand that the, that the kids simply won't you know yeah. this is a real life struggle that an animated character is feeling and this is what pixar does so well is they bring these real life scenarios and bring heart into these fictitious completely absurd worlds and the smallest detail is how it's tina fey's voice inside of this character joe gardner and then the camera pans around the mother's back and it's his voice it's jamie fox's voice resonating out of the character to show that it's not necessarily him speaking but inside it's it's his thoughts it's his you know speaking from the heart and I just thought that was so powerful. Um, and then obviously his, his mother accepting that this is his dream and, and things like that. So um, the barber scene absolutely was, was fantastic. But for me, this was the scene that that really stuck out. And we talk Oscar moments. Um, if this gets nominated, this is for sure my Oscar moment. Yeah, definitely that's up there. I want to talk a, a couple other scenes. Um and just touch on on what Nathan was talking about with that scene. What's so great about that scene is that there's usually one of two cliches when it comes to um, parents supporting their children. It's either they support them unconditionally 
or they don't. And they're like, you need to get a real job. Well, that's not how real life works. You know, her relationship with her son is that she wants him to get a real job. She wants him to succeed. At the end of the day, like, she's still proud. She's still going to support him unconditionally. And she went to her, um, his show at the end. And I just think that's, that's so great because while, you know, she didn't agree with him, she could still support him. Um, so it didn't, you know, fall into either of those cliches. It was kind of like a dynamic sort of relationship, which is how real life works. Um, and the, the scene that, that really got me um, was the scene where he's on the piano. And I think something that's underappreciated in this film is how good the sound is. <gasps> There's a couple times, especially when um, he's sitting on the stairs and like all you can hear is the wind and the traffic uh, you know, leaf falling down into his hand. Like the the sound is so great in this movie. At the the scene where he's at the piano and he lays out all the items that um, Twenty Two had had collected from her time in in his body and just like playing the piano and the music and you know him flashing back to all the little moments in life. And I think we'll come around to this when we talk story is seeing all the little moments that that truly you know matter when when he thinks about his life how they don't seem to matter um and of course my my favorite line in the movie is is at the end when he gets a second chance from jerry and she asks him how you know what are you going to do with your life now and he says oh i don't know but i'm going to live every minute of it like yeah. when we talk oscars there's so many Oscar scenes. Um, and, and Nathan and I actually had this conversation this week um, that we said, oh, an animated film shouldn't win Best Picture. Um, this completely broke that for me. If, if this won Best Picture, I would be over the moon. I think this definitely deserves to get nominated. And if this won Best Picture, I would, I'd be over the moon, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I, I, you guys touched on so many things I wanted to talk about, but definitely um, I want to talk about that sound because, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, wow. Like, I mean, <laughs> like one of we, uh, you guys know this, my favorite, anim- my favorite uh, animated movie, at least of the past few years, is, was Frozen 2. I absolutely adore that movie. And one of the reasons was because the sound design in that movie is incredible. Like the the music, the score, the the just the way that they put these sounds together from the rocks to the water, everything was just incredible. This movie has topped that in terms of in, from for me, in terms of the sound design, the wind, the trains, the just you know what I'm saying, just the way they the even the the, the score as the leaf falls to the to, falls into his hands, it's just incredible stuff like really, really strong stuff. And just, and you're talking about that scene where he lays out all the items and they play the piano. I mean, it's gorgeous. It really is like really impressive. So like we talk Oscars, um, I think this one is a shoe in for score. I think I think this score is done. I think it's already been won. Uh, I don't see how you top this. Uh, also, I agree. I think this should be a Best Picture nominee, and I, I would not be surprised if it wins. Just for how 2020 has been as a year, 
I, I, I think this has just been the biggest breath of fresh air and the most needed uh, story at this moment. So I, I could totally see this, this capturing the whole shebang. And that's just, that's just me. Yeah. Well, I, I want to hear from KJ. It's been, it's been a few minutes. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, I mean, y'all are touching on all of the same things that I would have touched on. So just sitting back and uh, listening to you all, but little something what Nathan touched on is the stories or the lessons that these movies kind of teach or at least for the adults shed light upon. Um, I always think of something I refer to plenty of times like throughout different weeks and different struggles uh, from Lion King when Rafiki uh, is talking to Simba and he hits him on the head and he was like, why are you worried about how much that hurt? Like it was already in the past. <laughs> and, and that's something that like lives rent free in my mind. Every right. um, <laughs> and some lessons that they were like teaching within this movie, um, the question that they asked when they ended up getting back there and they were trying to figure out like their purpose. And I feel like that is something that we all like kind of struggle with um or are always thinking about on the back burner um so like just bringing that into light and making it known that okay just because you think that this is your purpose like that isn't your purpose um your purpose doesn't have to be what you like or what your father did or whatever it may be um like you being an individual uh and being like a good person like whatever it may be uh, that is your purpose. So just like listening to all of these stories and just the way that it was presented, I believe it was done very well. Um, and it's something that when the kids watching this will go back in whatever, 10, 15 years and be like, so that's what it means. Like yeah. I never knew what it meant, but now that's what it means. And I find myself doing that a lot um, with movies like this. Yeah. So I think it's wonderful. That was definitely something I wanted to uh, point out is like, uh, when I when I finished watching it, I was like, "Yeah, this this is not for kids." Like, <laughs> I was just like, "This is not a kids' movie." I mean, I feel like kids might find some enjoyment in it, definitely in the animation, probably in like a few of the jokes. You know, what I'm saying there's there's a few things there for them, but this is a movie where it's like you have to live in order to appreciate this movie. You've got to live a, a long time or, you know, experience some ups, some downs, some heartbreaks, some, you know, setbacks and, and really be able to take this in and be like, oh, yeah, like this, this is me. Um, however, saying all of that, I did watch this with my daughter and she was like, this is really good. I was like, yeah, yeah, it is. Like, <laughs> it is really good. Uh you know what I'm saying? She didn't finish the whole thing, but she she saw like like the first half hour and she was like, yeah, this is really good. She was like, so I'm hoping eventually she'll see it when she's older and she'll go, oh, yeah, yeah, no, that, that was that was fantastic. <laughs> well, and, and honest to God, I want I want to touch on you talked about that you have to have lived life to see this. And obviously we're, we're young. We haven't lived our fullest lives, but at least we've been around the block a few times yeah. to relate to a lot of what's in this movie. Not to just completely slash onward more than we've already have. I know we're not, <laughs> we on film code are not supporters of onward, but even if you listening to this are a supporter of onward, 
even the biggest Onward fans out there have to admit that these are two completely different tonal movies. Hell yeah. One movie is just throw everything we possibly can at the children humor, toilet humor, cringe, everything possible to get those kids laughing. And then this movie is completely opposite of that. Whereas this is more resonating for the teenagers, for the adults, where the kids might not understand those those big overlooming subjects. And it's just incredible to me that the studios, and I know they probably had different writing teams and, and things like that, but that a whole over large studio just made two completely different tonal movies, especially for a studio that really only focuses on making children movies. So it's just, it's, it's inspiring to me. And, and one thing too, that switching back to the movie specifically, um, I can't believe that he actually died. Like in the beginning, like Joe Gardner <laughs> fell down a, a man cover, a manhole and mm-hmm. died. Like I can't, I genuinely cannot believe that happened because you don't, you don't know what happened to him, right? He falls down and then you see him like on the escalator to, to the great beyond. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like, okay, I, I knew we had to get to his inner soul. They better have a good explanation for this. Cause I don't. I, I don't know what I'm watching right now. And they were like, you died. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. What? <laughs> like, I cannot believe they went there. And I, I mean, yes, it's for kids. Yes, they know what dying is and everything like that. But I, I don't think I've ever seen anything other than the hidden adult humor. I don't think I've any seen anything in a Pixar movie that is so direct that is right. like dark. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that in a Pixar movie. They're just like, yeah, you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. What? Yeah, what? Like, like normally death is always spoken of like in the in the past tense. So like even with Onward, like, okay, we know their father isn't there because he passed away. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's, and they it's they very like, like they use language to soften. If you the get it, you get it. Right. And if you're just too pure in the mind, you're too little, you like look past it, but no, I mean they're like, yeah, that's your body. Yeah. <laughs> whoa, like whoa, yeah, that was pretty dark, and uh, and that's what I mean. Like, uh, I like I saw this uh, on social media afterwards. Is uh, I think I think this might be a shock to some people that a, a studio that primarily has made what we would consider children's movies for so long to to go <clears throat> directly into making a very adult animated movie um and honor those things and and like like so like we talked uh jingle jangle on our on our holiday episode right why why would you bring that up? i'll bring it up i'll I'll tie it all together (laughs) but like one of the issues that i had with that movie was the way that they they told the story in a very like almost condescending way where they were talking down to you like making you feel like like this is a such a simple story that it's it's even dumb that you care about it. Like, like that that's that's what irritated me about that movie. Um, but this one in Soul is is they almost have such a respect for you as an individual to be like, this is this is this story. This is important. Yes, we're gonna talk dark. We're gonna talk mature themes, but we're also gonna talk very hopefully 
and very positively and, and, and try to uplift you and inspire you to just, you know, live life to the fullest. And I think that like as dark as they went, the fact that they like, I guess, turned it around into this very peaceful and, and, and uplifting story. I mean, that's just the strength of Pixar. That's just incredible work. For them to turn this idea, like, it's just like, who thinks of these things? You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, like there's always that phrase, like, oh, you, like, just get in the shower and, like, shower thoughts. Like, I really want to know, was, was, like, a Pixar, like, creator, like, just chilling in the shower and been like, you know what would be a great idea? is like, somebody dies and they, like, go to, like, before like and we find the whole meaning of life like who thought of this like that's just what like blows my mind is somebody can like say okay here's this concept like okay in 2020 here here's our two concepts we want a, a dad with pants that's just pants but then in our other movie we want to explore the meaning of life okay who wants who wants meaning of life who wants dad pants and of course everybody says meaning of life so you know they got joe schmo and and like you know these fucking random people on on onward who have never made a movie before and then they got that the a team on on uh on soul who just comes up with this fantastic idea of how to to simplify the meaning of life and it's just it's just crazy it's just so pixar yeah and to touch on that specifically nick uh the guy that directs the guy the guy that directs I'm, Onward. I'm officially what, calling what? Onward Dad Pants from now on. That is the new name of that movie. That is great. <laughs> My dad is now Pants. Um, <laughs> Onward, the director of Onward, Dan Scanlon, mm -hmm. directed Monsters University. Those are wow. the only two things he's done. The director wow. of Soul. That's like, a, that's like a one hit wonder kind of thing. <laughs> the director of Soul directed Inside Out up and monsters inc so much more proven much better track record um i think he also did yeah. the good dinosaur as well if I'm not he was also he was also a writer for wally -E, for toy story 2 for toy story and the previous mentions movie. that i moved uh that i mentioned that he directed um but it is that time again um i am gonna have to talk about some negative aspects um <laughs> Sure. I don't think look I, I don't think this I don't think this is a perfect movie I just don't um okay. while I liked the themes they tackled and I thought that overall they Pixar always does this they take a very unique and if you tried to tell it story that's very complicated and, and make it understandable um I think there were too many moving parts um not necessarily for well, first of all, yes, for a child. And I think some of them could have just been reined in a little bit. You know, you take the whole idea of Joe trying to to find his purpose and what he wants to do in life. He thinks it's music. And then you got him and his mom. And, you know, you, you got a lot of storylines writing, and I get all that. What I think could be done differently is the character um, who's on the ship and he's the captain and <laughs> the whole lost souls thing. I still think they explained it well enough, but I think it just gets too convoluted with everything going on. You know, I think with Pixar movies, you want to be able to sit there and explain to your friend 
pretty much everything that happened. Like, uh, this is what I try to do, right? With Pixar movies. You should be able to sit there and tell your friend exactly what happened in the movie without them having pretty big questions about what happened. You know, they can have little questions about side plots and, oh, well, what happened there? But if they're confused by how you explain the story, Pixar didn't do a good enough job because that's kids. So you got this ship and you got this guy who's like lost soul and he (laughs) recollects these lost souls and transforms them and finds their purpose in life. And the only way you get there is you crawl through this little box inside 22s. It's it's that part. It it just could have been done better is all I'm trying to say. Like, I think they had a good idea about people that are on the edge of life per se. Um, but it just got too complicated at that point for me. And I'm not saying that takes away from the whole movie or anything like that, um, because I still think it's a good movie, but it's not without its flaws, and, and that was too too complicated. All right, we'll keep going. What, what else do you got problems with? Because I don't think anybody anybody's <laughs> going to agree with what you just said, but it, let's, let's keep it going. Let's see what else you got. Yeah, well, I mean... Look, I get it. You have to have a resolution. Joe screwing over uh, 22. It wasn't going to... Okay, great. Roll credits. Like, I, I, you know that's not going to happen. You know that's not going to happen. But I still think the ending, it just goes a little too far off the edge for me. Um, you know, you, you work your whole movie to get to this point. And sure, you have a change of heart. Sure, you're a good person and you want to, you know, save her from, from disaster and you have this main character moment, I get it. I just think they could have done the ending differently with how he saves her. And then then the lost soul monster breaks out into the you know soul world and is in front of all the... I, I, I just think the ending could have been done better is, is all I'm trying to say. Um, it was like, It was like, wow, we've got 20 <laughs> minutes left and we have no conflict. Well, okay, um, let's just throw it all together. It's, it's literally like when you're taking a test and you have six questions left and the teacher is like okay we got a minute left on the test and you're like oh crap oh crap oh crap and you just start writing things to finish the test that's kind of how i felt the ending went it's like you've got this great project going the whole movie and then the ending is just this thud um so i i I love the piano scene where he lays everything out that's great it's physically when he gets back to soul world I, I just, it wasn't for me. I disagree. And and I'll explain and maybe enlighten you whether, whether this changes your opinion like Ma Rainey last week or whether you're just like, okay, I can see that, but I don't care. This is this is my <laughs> thoughts. And, and maybe Phoenix and KJ can back me up on this. So A, to, to talk about your first point, the only way that like 22 knew how to like escape the lost soul place from her box is because she built that like, the guy flying the ship, whatever his name was, um, he didn't crawl through the box. Like, there's the whole, like, in the zone place, and, and that's how he got there. He didn't just crawl through the box, like, just randomly. And never like, yeah, never I did I say he crawled through the box. Those words <laughs> you, never came out of my but mouth. But you said, oh, the only way to get there is through a box. Like, that's what you said. Okay, it's still, they just could have done it better. Like, we've got this Pirates of the Caribbean ship inside the soul (laughs) world, and he saves these lost souls. It's just so, like, they could have done it better. Uh, But Just want to point out, that was was Graham Norton, who played uh, Moonwind, the the captain. Graham Norton. Graham Norton. But anyway, that's not what I was explaining. (laughs) I was explaining, I was talking about the whole end. 
so we talked about the little things like the sound and and all the you know the animation stuff the barber scene all the little things right so in the subway scene right she you know runs into the guy in his body and he's like oh it's okay it's the subway like it's the same thing every day it'll wear you down right so this whole movie he's trying to become this jazz musician because that's what he thinks his purpose is and and jerry even says like oh you silly humans like you don't understand that like your purpose isn't what you're meant to do like one specific thing like it's it's much more like deeper than that and you know he gets on the scene after he goes back because you know that's all that he cared about that's all he thought his purpose was is to play music and when he thought that he couldn't do it he wanted to like fulfill his purpose in life and he even says like oh my life was was meaningless to him well he says like in the subway like oh it's the same thing every or every day it just like drags on you it just makes you tired well when he goes and talks to the the saxophone player after the the like concert she says oh we come back tomorrow and do the same thing all over again and he was like oh well i thought that i would feel different and i kind of connected the two i don't know if anybody else did that like it's the same thing every day. It's just going to get tiring and it's not what he thought it was. So I connected the subway line to that where he was like, Oh, it's not what I think. And then that kind of gets his gears going where he changes his perspective and gets back to his house and takes out all the items and realizes how much he messed up and how his purpose in life isn't just to play music. So that's the whole ending scene. And that's why he has this change of heart is because he realizes that like, just because he loves playing music, that doesn't equal his purpose, if that makes sense. So I, I think you did a great job explaining that. Um, and I definitely appreciate that. But that's also not quite what I'm talking about. Like the scene where he physically goes back mm-hmm. to Soul World and Joe Gardner as a man is gone and it's his soul. And he's like, go to find 22, shipmaster, hello. Like, that is where it's just, all right, got to finish the project because we got a deadline. To, to me, um, what you explained is great. And I, I think that's great parallels. And I definitely appreciate that and think that's what people find every day. But that's there's still 20 minutes left in the movie after that happens. And he's chasing down 22, who's all depresso mode. And it's <laughs> that's where it just it gets okay. too much for me. All right. I, I got to comment on that because... That is actually probably my favorite part of the movie. And uh, <laughs> and I'll explain take, why. Take it away. Yeah. Take it away. Because up until that point, like, you're, you're, you're right. There isn't a, a tension or a conflict that needs to be resolved. Uh, it's mostly just this. It's, it's pretty much a character study up until that up until that final 20 minutes. So what I liked about it was that to me, this was Pixar at their best, you know what I'm saying? Pixar, like if you take Toy Story, you take um, Incredibles or, you know what I'm saying? Even Wally, like there's that moment where like they throw something in that you know is kid friendly and it, it, and it brings out the adventure. So like that was it. The movie was just missing an adventure at that point. And that's what that was, was just, you know, 
we need a conflict that we have to solve. We need to do it in a big way. We need to make it an adventure. And to me, I was like, it was like a breath of, of like relief because I was like, I hope this movie isn't going to be all just, you know, existential and, and you know what I'm saying, like that. I still would have enjoyed it, but adding that adventure to it, I felt made it an even stronger movie because it was Pixar back to form and you had this incredibly mature and rich, vibrant story on top of it. Yeah, and, and also too is like, Pixar and throughout this whole movie, they set up all these individual pieces. They set up like the great before the you seminar. They set up the land of lost souls. They set up the ship. They set up being in the zone. They set up everything that comes. And then it's like saying, okay, here's step one. Here's step two. Here's step three. Here's step four. That's great and all, but until you actually go through it and do it yourself, like it's going to be like a quickened pace you reading like an instruction manual on how to do something like, let's say like change a sink. Like if you're changing your sink or tying your shoe, tying your shoe and you read all the single steps, it's going to take longer to read the steps and set everything up rather than actually doing it. So I agree with Phoenix. I think it's the perfect ending to the movie because it can't all be existential. It, it, like that's not the point of the movie. Yeah. 22. You, you, you go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't feel too strongly either way. I was just um, <laughs> there. I was present, I guess. Um, like, I think the most important part was, yes, like him sitting there, him taking the items out of, um, like, out in his house and then realizing that he messed up. That was something that, like, okay, like, I can connect. I understand this. The next, whatever we want to say, the five to ten minutes after that, really didn't have, like, all too much effect on me personally i know phoenix talking about like the adventure and all of that like i was literally just sitting there and watching like waiting to see what was going to come after that <laughs> after this adventure is over or whatever you want to call it like i want to know what's going to happen after that um so really wasn't too invested on that i don't think that it was as big of a problem as nathan might um but i also don't think that it was some wonderful thing that they did and it made the movie whole uh, so that's just how I feel from the perspective of like, I'm not strong either way. It just, it, it didn't feel like it fit in this movie. I mean, Phoenix, you say it can't be this whole existential movie. Why not? That's what they shooted for. That's what they shot for the whole movie. It's Pixar. It's, it's like, if this were, if this were a live, you know what I'm saying? Real actors kind of movie, full on character study, I would have probably been perfectly okay with it. But like, this is Pixar. This is an animated movie. Like, even me as as an adult, as a grown up, right? I want some adventure. You know what I'm saying? I want in my animation. All right. Like one one thing that's really funny. I was watching before I started Soul. I started watching The Legend of Korra. Uh, I'd never seen Avatar, the show, so I don't know why I started with Legend of Korra. But I started watching that, and I was just like, yeah, this is what I want in my animation. Some excitement, some energy, some some you know, crazy wild adventure because it's animated. That's, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's here for. So that, that, that's all. It's just, I, I enjoy an adventure story in my animation. And look, I get it. And also he, he, too, he felt <laughs> go, bad. Go ahead, go he, ahead. He felt bad about dissing 22. <laughs> he felt selfish. I get it. Right. I, he needed to rescue her. I get it. 
I just think they could have done it better than how they did it. I'm not complaining right. about how, how the whole thing. Then? They could have, he could have gotten <laughs> back and they could have seen some memories of them together when he was in the cat. They could have shown the, <laughs> that he, <laughs> I can't believe we haven't brought up the cat. Yet. <laughs> oh my God. They could have shown all the, the good memories that she had on earth, whether it was her talking to the barber and realizing his life and his journey is different from what he's actually doing right now, whether it's um, convincing the trombone player to stick with music, you know, she Mm. herself had a ton of inspirational moments that taught her life is worth living. This isn't what I thought it was. I would have much rather preferred he find her, they have this nice little talk about let's go over these memories. I don't know. Maybe they can a Christmas Carol style like review their memories. A Christmas Carol. <laughs> <laughs> I can't take go, it. go back and review these memories. I think that would have been powerful, way more powerful than oh no, she's this big black blob running away. Oh no, she broke out into I the, mean, the I seminar. Mean, oh, see, you I- gotta catch her. See, but see, like, I don't think it had to be powerful. I think it just had to be fun. fun. Like yeah. the the movie, like it has such a great balance of fun, and it has such a great balance of like real deep life shit. Like it's just a perfect balance. It it's just fun. Like that's just what it is. Like for them to like break into the like auditorium, and Terry is like accepting this award that like he knows that he deserves but like nobody else thinks that he deserves but he just gets the trophy anyway and like she just runs right through and they're like yep we'll take that back like that's that's hilarious that's hilarious that's that's the great so I'll, i'll bring it back here um i do say i do want to say that their constant like opening of the world with the escalator going to the great beyond. I thought that was hilarious. Ooh. Like they, they constantly would bring that up. They'd be like, so you, uh, Joe or whatever they're referring to his soul as you want to do this. All right, and, Bjorn, here we go. Yeah. And he would be like, Nope, I, I don't want to do that. And they'd be like, you could always go here. I, I, thought, that, I thought that was hilarious. Um, and that whole escalator to, to death was, uh, <laughs> was was pretty cool yeah there were a lot Uh, i think it's i I mean this movie is like i think it had its hilarious moments like and and well this will segue perfectly right into to what nathan was you know um cluing into there the scene of when she's like i'm a nymphomaniac that's extremely opportunistic hilarious (laughs) especially (laughs) like that that's hilarious and when they go you know down into the the cat and the person like when he's like well if you're in my body like why am i in this cat and then the cat is like the blob going to like the great beyond that's hilarious <laughs> like when yeah. when they're like trying when you know joe is talking to the people but it's really 22 like i'm unborn soul in this body and and my my soul's in this cat like and the cat's just like meowing like that's just hilarious yeah, yeah I, some, I thought there were some really strong humorous moments in this movie. Definitely, when when the uh, the Jerry's were like assigning different personality <laughs> traits, and he's like, "You you twelve go to self absorbed," and the other one's like, "We should probably send less it. there." Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was great stuff. Yeah. Uh, when she was uh, 
messing with people in the zone. And I was like, look. Oh, the Knicks? Right. It was like, I've been messing with this team for years. <laughs> it was like, that's it was such great stuff, man. Such great well, it's stuff. It's hilarious because I watched this, like I said, on Christmas. And then I watched Toy Story. And then, you know, Nathan and I have talked about this in the past where you watch a movie, you can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. I watched this and I was I convinced my girlfriend to watch it with me and we watched it and we literally like all the parts that we just talked about like when she's like oh i'm a nymphomaniac who's <laughs> extremely opportunistic and like the cat meowing on going to the great beyond like we rewind those scenes like two <laughs> or three times because it was just it was hilarious like it's just such it's it's great humor like i don't think a movie has been i don't think a movie has been that funny all year like <laughs> all right all right so yeah, let's wrap it up. Yep. All right. So final scores, gentlemen. Uh, we'll start with you, KJ. What did you think of Soul? Uh, final review. Um, I am going to go with a four for me. Um, I enjoyed it. Would it be my pick of movie? But if I'm watching it, I'm not mad. Um, really enjoyed the animation. Um, that would be something. Came back if I watched it a second time. With the animation, with the story, with the lessons that are taught, very possible of it being moved up to a 4.5. Um, really appreciated what Pixar did with this one. Um, but as of right now, first watching, I'm going for it. Nice. Let's go to Nate. Let's see. I'm interested to see what Nathan scores because yeah. then then Phoenix and I can comment on our bet pre-show. Yeah. All right. So Nathan, yeah, Nathan, go for it. Well, it's a return to form for Pixar. Absolutely. Um, I had a good time watching it, but I, while there's so many strong elements, it's not as consistently strong as a Toy Story, a Monsters Inc., a Finding Nemo. Um, that's when Pixar really was at its best. So consistency throughout. Um, was a struggle for this, I feel like. And I also just didn't enjoy it as much as a lot of other people did watching it. I was kind of waiting for it to be over. Um, so I'm going with a, a B plus. It's three and a half stars. Yeah. I knew it. I knew it. Called that. We called that. I think it. it's, look, I, I think it's a good movie that does some great things. It's not a great movie in, in Nathan's world. So, um, you know, I, I know this is getting great reviews. I absolutely think it should be nominated in the joke of the 2021 Oscars. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think it's a, it's a mid-tier Pixar movie, and I think it's a good movie, not a great one. So I'm going three and a half stars. Do you, right. you want to go? Uh, no, I'm going to save mine. Go for it, Dick. Uh, all right. So watching this for the first time, it was a solid four. For me, it was probably, you know, with all, there only being two four-stars, movies in in 2020 for me it was solidly in the top three but after watching this for the second time and just talking about it today uh, i just love this movie it's it's going to be four and a half for me it's my movie of the year so far um i just think in 10 years when we think about all the the classic pixars the toy stories the monsters inks the the wallies i think this is going to be right up there with with the all-time classic pixar movies I happen to agree with Nick, but I am going wow, this to is a change. Go, 
yes. But I am actually going to go five stars. This is my first five star movie of 2020. Wow. Uh, yes. Wow. Yes, I, Phoenix. I think yes. Soul <laughs> is incredible. Like it is by far the best movie of the year. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> unlike, and there are a lot of movies that I love this year. My Rainey's was incredible. 40 year old version. Never rarely, sometimes always the five bloods. I enjoyed all of those movies, but yeah. Soul to me takes the cake. It is fantastic. I love the story. I love how it was presented. The animation was incredible. The music was fantastic. This is this right now is my best picture winner is soul. Yeah, see, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Nathan and I talked this week about how animated movies should not win best picture. This totally just like takes the sledgehammer to the wall <laughs> and knocks the, the ball out of the park. This should win best picture. This should yes. win best picture. And I think that I just talking about it, I could give it five stars if I watch it again. Yeah, we'll see. Yep. Fantastic. Fantastic movie. Fantastic. All right. And that was great. Thanks so much. Uh, guys, let us know what you thought of Soul. Uh, once again, you can find us on Twitter at Film Code Pod. Uh, we definitely want to hear from you guys and share your reviews with us. We're going to share our reviews with you uh, a little later. And uh, so let's move on, on to our discussion this week, which we have... Uh, a very interesting one. Nick, you came up with this idea, so why don't you tell everyone what our discussion is? Yeah, so like I mentioned earlier on the show, this is our last recording of 2020, bless, um, but it is our first episode airing in 2021. Now, there's still going to be movies that come out in 2021 that are technically 2020, just like how there's still 2019 coming out like how everybody loves the sound of metal but that's a 2019 release <laughs> um everybody's acting like it's 2020 but that's 2019 um so we're gonna phoenix. do our top <laughs> yeah really phoenix was bad education um yeah. so we're gonna do our top five most disappointing and most surprising for 2020 we'll start out with our most disappointing that'll be the easy one there have been lots of disappointments this year hard to narrow it down to five but then we'll have the most surprising <laughs> films um there are still some some good lights in the in the uh the dark but phoenix no 2019 releases if it says 2019 on letterbox disqualified um, so <laughs> yeah. a good way a good way to start off the year um is is that so phoenix yeah, I, why don't you get a, a get us started if you want to do um, some honorable mentions for most disappointing, because I know there's going to be a lot of them that can't fit on the top five. Yeah, and I wanted to, to interject one second before we get started. Um, oh, okay, sorry. Uh, last week we no, did non-2020 non first watches, so we talked about movies that did not come out in 2020. This is specifically 2020 movies released in the year 2020 that says 2020. Um, so, you know. This has been a very disappointing year for movies. I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. But um, another thing, too, is if you're listening, I guarantee one or all of us is going to say something that you disagree with. <laughs> Just remember, these are our opinions. Our opinions are not your opinions. You'll disagree with us, I'm sure. Um, so just remember that we'll disagree with each other. I know that's going to happen. So, <laughs> you know, just just try to remember every person's different with their opinions. 
All but with right. that said, Phoenix, you go ahead. Okay, doke. I actually don't have any honorable mentions because uh, there. What I consider a disappointment is a movie that I had some expectations for, maybe some heightened expectations for, and it it didn't reach those expectations. Um, like a lot of the movies that I consider the worst are the movies like whether I had expectations for them or didn't, and they still didn't meet that. So. The ones that I would consider honorable mentions are actually just the worst movies of the year. So for me, so kicking off with my number five uh, most disappointing movie of 2020, it's going to be The Photograph uh, starring uh, Lakeith Stanfield and Issa Rae. This was a movie that I loved the trailer for. And then when I saw the movie, realized that all the best beats of the movie were in the trailer. So it was uh, upsetting and disappointing very much. So it was the only movie I considered walking out of the theater in 2020, uh, really disappointing. I know some people like this movie. I, I really can't see why uh, it just, it, it did not work for me. So number five, most disappointing is gonna be the photograph. Yes, um, number five for me disappointing um in fact i actually went into the movie theater excited about it i actually saw it with you all um the new mutants um just not good i don't really know what else to say about it um but the fact that i sat there and really paid more attention to the popcorn and food that i was eating than what was going on on the screen uh really says it all um so that would be my number five for sure yeah that was that was uh, interesting for sure. We we all saw that together. Um, an honorable mention for me is going to be Greyhound, Apple original film with Tom Hanks. I'd be lying to you if I said I was excited for this, but um, it still has decent score on Letterboxd. Um, you know, Tom Hanks is a fantastic actor, and I was interested in this movie. I'm not going to lie. They marketed the absolute shit out of it too. So, um yeah, and it, it was very disappointing. And then I, I'm going to kick us off with the hot takes. Um, thankfully, Nick is going to disagree with, or is going to agree with me. Um, never, rarely, sometimes, always was was a huge disappointment. What? I have people. Oh. I, I have people all, all all in my butt telling me that this is the best movie of the year. That this is insane. I I don't see what they're saying this was very boring um i think i took a nap during this (laughs) um it was it was a disappointing effort for sure but nonetheless i'm gonna kick off my top five and start with the devil all the time um (laughs) i gave this a positive score i think it's number 10 in my 2020 that just shows you how bad this year is um but still it it's just i expected more especially with this cast it takes place where KJ, Nick, and I go to school. Um, it, it was just lots of anticipation for this, and it just ended up being an okay movie. Yeah, really. Um, I have a bunch of freaking honorable mentions. I think this has been the year more so than, than ever that there's been a positive score from a movie and I've given it a negative score. So, so I'll run through all the, all the uh, the disappointments for me. <laughs> I don't know what that said, Phoenix. Um, but I think most disappointing. Uh, we got 
Emma. We got Never Rare, Sometimes Always, Greyhound, Extraction, Shirley. Uh, you know, the, the list goes on. But, um, and I'll start with a quick number six. Hillbilly Elegy is um, my number six. Just because, how was this nominated? How did this get Oscar buzz and then turned it to shit? I don't get it. <laughs> but my number five is just like KJ. We went and saw this all together. Um, Nathan says that he was going to walk out, but he wasn't going to walk out. I, n- um, oh, 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 I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about New Mutants. <laughs> no. Birds of Prey. This was like one of the first movies that we saw. I think it was the first movie um, that we saw all together back back in school. This was just so bad. Like when you talk about bad humor, we talked about all the good humor and soul. All the bad humor in this was terrible. <laughs> uh, there's just no redeeming qualities of this movie other than Ewan McGregor and Margot Robbie as people, but that's about it. <laughs> wow. Okie doke. Uh, so my number four uh, most disappointing movie uh, is going to be Onward. Uh, it was, you know, Dad Pants. It was, uh, it, it, yeah, like I, I really had high expectations for it because one of the things that Pixar does so well is world building. And, you know, you have this world of like mythical creatures. I really wanted them to explore that a lot more. And it was really kind of just tossed to the wayside. And it wasn't wasn't as strong as much of uh, Pixar's work is. So to me, that was was the most disappointing. Uh, Well, one of the most disappointing films and movie experiences I had this year goes to onward definitely tag teaming here because that is my number four um so virtual dap up for phoenix uh we are together on this one um yeah not a good experience definitely a letdown of course we know what pixar can do and what they should do and that is not it well um we're gonna go three in a row here because my number four is onward as well um, yeah. <laughs> look, I mean, we, we've already talked about it. We've already slandered onward enough on this show, but I'm going to continue <laughs> to do it cause it deserves it. Um, the adults in the room always can enjoy Pixar movies, whether they love it or they thought it was okay. They can always sit there and be like, wow, I can turn this on for my kid and not be annoyed. Um, not onward. You will be annoyed. This stinks. It's obnoxious. The story, they pull things out of their butt left and right. We'll use the enchantment charm. Well, what the hell is that? <laughs> um, I, I hated almost every second of this. Um, Dad Pants is at number four. And this is an embarrassment for Pixar. It really is. Yeah, it's it's going to be a clean sweep. That <laughs> wow. pants coming in at number four for me as well. Uh, if there is nothing that this show can agree on, it's that Social Network is a fantastic movie and that Dad Pants blows. Um, I feel like whenever you have Pixar making a movie, you always expect a lot, um, and I think that's fair. But uh, this is just complete shambles. I gave this three stars the first time I watched this. I was being nice. I'm going through my Pixar rewatch right now. Um, just started with Toy Story, but when I when I get to this one, it's not going to be three stars. So, Dad Pants coming in at number four. I Roll love that we all put Dad Pants at number four. 
Yes. But what is more disappointing than dad pants for all of us? Let's 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 hear that. Uh, okie doke. That's a tough uh, <laughs> hill to climb. But uh, for me, number three, and I know, I know these guys are going to disagree and I can care less because my number three is I'm thinking of ending things. This movie blew to high heaven in blue. I mean it blue. Like, this is you're, what, embar- you're embarrassing our no, show. Not at even not even a little bit. I'm sorry. I'm like this is a movie, like I said in my review, is far more concerned with the conversation about it than the movie itself. It is obnoxious, it is preposterous, it is so flighty and 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 just arrogant and ignorant. It just doesn't care for you. It doesn't care. And it, it wants you to think more about existentialism and life and and the metaphors, but it piles so much onto it that it just loses itself. This was utterly disappointing. I was mad I had to watch it for the show. This is my number three. <laughs> I'm thinking of ending things. Stunk. <laughs> All righty. My number three. I have to go with Doolittle. Uh, um, oh nice. <laughs> nice. So, growing up, you know, these were some of my favorite movies. Of course, this is a standalone. really has no connection whatsoever to Eddie Murphy's. Um, Love and respect, Robert Downey Jr. But this just was not something that A, should have even been thought about doing. Um, And then for it to be completed and put out for us to watch, I just think that it just was not good. Um, Story, comedy, whatever it may be, it just, it didn't sit right um, to the point where I have it at my number three. That's fair. <laughs> My number three is a movie that we talked extensively about a few weeks ago. That is Mank. Um, you know, David Fincher, he's a genius. His his bread and butter are book adaptations and biopics. And this is a biopic. You know, we, we slandered this a bunch. I think it's a technically incredible movie. It's very well made. Everything else is pretty abysmal um they don't tell us about herman mankiewicz or about citizen kane instead they decide to tell us about some stupid political race that we don't care about um gary oldman's in every single scene you know if you want more of my thoughts on that we did a whole episode a few weeks ago covering it however you listen to this you can find it there but mank was very disappointing nick and i did a a david fincher binge watch all of his movies a few months back and we love David Fincher because of it. Obviously, we love Social Network. Um, and I think David Fincher is a top-tier director, but this was definitely a step back. Oh, yeah, it is me. Um, so at my number three, we got The Devil All the Time. Um, when I was looking at all the movies that were supposed to come out for the rest of this year, this movie was consistently at the top of that most excited um, you know, Nathan mentioned it earlier. It takes place around where we go to school. The cast for this was incredible. Um, and just, I had so much expectations going into this, but this um, behind the pines, beyond the pines um, ripoff was um, not, not 
that great. I gave it three and a half stars, but for what I was expecting it to be, it was pretty bad. Yeah. All right. So my number two is going to be a movie that uh, a lot of people really hyped up for me. And I was uh, really, really interested in watching it Uh, before I would, I do a best 10 films at the, uh, at the half year mark. And uh, without watching this, I was going to put this movie on my top 10 list because I'd heard so much great things about it. I was like, well, surely it has to be one of the best films of the year. And I ended up watching it and I was thoroughly just underwhelmed by it. And that's going to be Bakurao. This is a movie from, yeah, this is an independent film. Yeah, this is an independent film coming out of Mexico, I want to say, or South America. I'm not, a, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but, uh, oh, Brazil, sorry. Comes out of Brazil. Uh, yeah, just not, it, it was a, it was like a Brazilian version of The Hunt, which came out this year. Um, and, oh, yikes, that movie sucked. Yeah, and this, this was significantly, slightly better. But yeah, that's it. Like it's slightly better than the hunt, and that's not a that's not a compliment because the hunt was one of the worst movies of the year. Uh, but yeah, a lot of people really love this movie. It's at four point one on Letterbox. I I just could not find it uh, enjoyable. 4.1. Yeah, but yeah, this this was not this was not a movie for me. So that's my number two. It's gonna be back around. My number two, I'm going to, I guess, like a Netflix original kind of. Oh, uh, 365 <laughs> days. Yeah. <laughs> I was forced to watch this movie. Uh, one of my oh, man. friends wanted to watch it. Um, and so we did. Um, it was right after everything happened with COVID. We were locked in the house. So, you know. At the time, I thought it was a decent idea, I guess. Um, heard that it would be like uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. And I actually enjoy those movies. I think those movies are pretty good. Um, and this was such a letdown. There was like literally no story <laughs> whatsoever. Um, it was just absent, a bunch of nonsense, a whole thing, a whole bunch of things just thrown together. Um, and then at the end, this person's supposed to die kind of, and they just get like, it, they're not dead. Like, I don't know, like I can't even explain it. So I'm not even spoiling it because it just doesn't make any sense. <laughs> so you just have to watch it for yourself. Um, and I'm sorry that you'll waste your time with this movie. My goodness, go off. Yeah, my fault. Go God. off, Kagan. <laughs> go <sorry>. off. <laughs> well, um, my number two's already been touched on by these guys, so. I won't say too much about it. Um, this was in my top 10 of the, of the year for most anticipated uh, at the end of 2019, you know, made a top 10 most anticipated 2020, which I'm sure we'll do on this show soon. Uh, this barely made it in because I'm a huge Batman fan. Uh, I love the character of Batman in that whole world. And, you know, one of those characters is Harley Quinn getting her own movie and birds of prey was not it. You know, Nick touched on it earlier. I, if, if I saw this alone, if I saw this with my girlfriend, I would have walked out. Um, I, I would have. This was not, walked out. This was not funny at all. 
at all. Um, you know, I, comedy is subjective, right? What's funny to you is not might not be funny to me, might not be funny to them. It's subjective. And I thought this whole thing was awful. It was not funny. Her dropping the taco and screaming no. The little <laughs> ch- the, the child humor, all of it was disgusting. It was bad. Um, this was embarrassing. I, I Anytime anyone says that Birds of Prey is great, I think I block them. Um, it's just... It's just bad, guys. It's bad. So, um, Birds of Prey is two for me. Unfortunately, there's a movie that's more disappointing for it. I think but, we can uh, guess what that is, but go ahead. But, yeah, really. It, uh, my number two has already been touched on by Nathan, and we already had an episode about it, and that's Mink. Um, this has not been a good year for um, my favorite director. Um, I'll touch on this a little bit more. Um, when, you know, the number one spot comes around, but Mank is just a terrible movie. And <laughs> if you want to go here, my extended thoughts, I don't feel like talking too much about it, but you know, if you want to hear my extended thoughts, you can go back to the episode where, where we talked in depth because this movie just sucks. <laughs> okay. Doke. And on that note, my number one is also going to be Mank. Uh, even though I was probably the most positive out of all these guys on uh, on Mank, I, I definitely think it has some elements that are really impressive uh, technically wise. I think Amanda Seyfried is phenomenal in this movie, but um, it I was expecting this to be the best movie of the year. Like, I, I truly was. David Fincher is incredible. He's an incredible director. Uh, I, I truly was expecting Mank to be the top of, of the pile. It, it disappointed in that sense and where it's fallen to the middle of the pack for me. So uh, it, in kind of unforgettable territory. So that's, that's going to be my biggest disappointment of the year. It's going to be Mank. Righty. My number one has already been touched on multiple times now. Birds of Prey. Sorry. <laughs> um, this is my number one, mainly because this is probably one of the only movies that I saw in theaters. Um, so like the theater experience as well as me really looking forward to it. Similar to the new mutants, something that I enjoy to watch. Um, and then just to be let down like that, it just wasn't um, good, but no need to keep going on that. Cause Nathan and Nick already handled that. So. <laughs> And go ahead. Wow, I, w- I wonder it. what this is. I wonder be. what this will be. <laughs> what is this going to be? Mm, what what do we have here? In a year full of disappointing movies, a year full of crap with some shining diamonds, um, this this takes the cake as far as most disappointing. Um, it's not a horrible movie by any means. I still rated it barely positive. Um, but you know, you talk about expectations, you talk about what you expect going in and the feeling you get when you leave. It's a feeling I still feel to this day. Um, after seeing it probably four or five months ago. Um, and you about to say four or five times and that movie's tenant. It's, I, I don't get it. I, I truly don't get people who are like, this is a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> You should not have to see a movie 
five, six, seven times to understand it. I'm sorry. You should not. That is Christopher Nolan trying to prove to the world he can outsmart everyone, trying to prove to the world how big his brain is. (laughs) It's ridiculous. You know, you talk about Inception. You talk about Interstellar. You talk about some of these other movies with ambiguous endings. And you can sit there and say, yeah, I watched it three, four times, and I noticed something different. My view has changed on what it all means. Okay, that's great that those movies do that. You shouldn't have to watch it five, six, seven times to understand the plot, okay? (laughs) That was atrocious. I accidentally bitched out my friend about it, Nick and I's roommate, because I was so heated after this movie. (laughs) It was bad. It was bad. Uh, We looked up explain videos. It was was just awful. You couldn't hear anything either. I know that was a big problem. No one knew what anyone was saying. You know, you take this concept of backwards time traveling – and that or backwards, you know, moving. And that's complicated enough. But before they even talk about that, before time backwards is introduced, you don't know who's who, what they're doing, where they're going, what their motives are, what their name is. You don't know any of that. This movie is just a giant confusion puzzle. It's literally like giving you several different pieces to several different puzzles and saying, make it work. Um, Tenant by far, by far, is the most disappointing movie of 2020 in my world. Yeah, really. We have, um, we have, you know, Birds of Prey, Onward, Devil all the time, and then we have Mank, and then we have Tenant, which is off screen, uh, going into, you know, the fall. Christopher Nolan was my favorite director. Um, loved. Uh, what was that movie called Dark Knight? Mm-hmm. Love um, Inception, which got to see in theaters, which which made it even better. But pretty much after Inception, Christopher Nolan has gone on this nosedive where each movie gets a little bit bigger in scale, and he just says, "Forget the story." Um, Interstellar is kind of the start of that, but it's not like unbearable. It's just like he's starting to get a big head. Dunkirk is where it really, really starts. <laughs> where there's no story at all and it's just super massive scale and it doesn't matter and he, d- nothing matters. And then we have rock bottom, which is um, tenant, which, you know, Nathan explained everything about that. I don't need to go into that. So my number one director fell, then it was David Fincher and then it was Mank. And then David Fincher is not my favorite director anymore because I hate Mank so much. <laughs> um so thank God Quentin Tarantino did not release a film this year because I don't know who would be my favorite director after that because I just have so much annoyance for these two guys. Um, so Christopher Nolan, you either got to stop making movies because your next movie is just going to be incredibly massive scale, but with zero minuscule rice size meaning, or you just got to go back to your bread and butter, that prestige Batman begins dark night that kind of stuff but i don't see that happening i continue to see christopher nolan trying to push the needle of scale even further and further and further and further so that is disappointing i went last in um most disappointing so i guess i'll start it off for most surprising and i gotta start off with a movie that we talked about just last week at number five and that was uh ma rainey's black bottom 
Um, didn't really know what to expect going into this. Um, and I thought it was a, a, a great film, pretty solid acting, carried it. Um, and, you know, like like I said with Mank, if you want to hear our extended thoughts, you can go back to, oh, to last week. Are we week's working episode, backwards? Or... Yeah, yeah, we can All work right. backwards. So, so, yeah, go ahead, Nathan. <laughs> thank you. Uh, my honorable mention starts with Happiest Season. I know this movie Nick hates for some reason, but um, obviously Phoenix and I love this movie. So it's it's not necessarily going to crack my top five because I expected to like it. I saw the reviews were pretty popular, um, but I still had a fantastic time with it. Really enjoyed it. And then The Occupant. You know, if you're a consistent listener to the show, you know that I randomly like this movie. Um, it has a 2.9 on Letterboxd. Watch this over the summer. Although I've recently downgraded it to three and a half stars, it's still a surprise for sure. Um, but I'm going to kick off my number five with a movie that I don't necessarily think is great. I don't even think it's good. But compared to where my expectations were, it makes this list. And that would be Sonic the Hedgehog. Um, <laughs> yes, I'm not. I am not joking. Oh, my wow. number five is Sonic. Um, my roommate, who is not named Nick. Um, dragged me to this um, and I'm familiar with the Sonic character I didn't grow up on Sonic or anything but I know that world enough I was expecting this to be ridiculously cringe get me out of here just basically what Onward was I was expecting Sonic to be and while it has those moments I still had fun with it this is a movie that I didn't want to off myself after watching um, I think I gave it three stars it definitely has its cringe moments. It's definitely a child's movie. But for what I was expecting it to be, it was better than I thought. Now, you bringing up Sonic, I completely forgot about that movie. <laughs> um, but I'm going to second you on that, that. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. So I'll give you that. I'll throw that in my honorable mentions. Um, but personally, my number five would be Extraction. Um mm. Starring Chris Hemsworth as well as Joan that. We know what they can do. Um, I'm a very action type person. Um, if you're looking for action, if you're looking for the runaway scenes and all of those different types of things, um, this is the movie for you. Really enjoyed it. Uh, one of those movies that my mom watched beforehand and told me to watch. And whenever she tells me that, usually they're good. So I came in with like decent expectations, um, but it still uh, surpassed those expectations. So number five for me. Excellent. Uh, so I, I didn't have any honorable mentions when it came to disappointments, but on surprises, I got a few. So uh, one of the surprises for me was The Vast of Night. Uh, this was a movie I had no I had no expectations for, but turned out to be 2019 absolutely incredible i don't care what they say uh another uh honorable mention for me is going to be shirley um i really dug this movie uh, <laughs> elizabeth moss is fantastic so like uh i i i know like the story isn't the strongest but everything about this movie i like except the story i guess if that's if that makes sense so that was a surprise for me uh and Another surprise uh, is going to be Palm Springs. I actually, uh, I, I dug this movie. It came out of nowhere. It's probably one of the better movies of 2020 for a long time. Um, 
it's not, you know, top tier in my eyes, but as far as, you know, putting Andy Sandberg in a lead role and me actually enjoying him, that was a surprise for me. So that's, that's going to be an honorable mention and kicking off my number five, I'm going with let him go uh, starring uh, Kevin Costner and Diane Lane. I saw this in theaters a few weeks ago. Um, I actually really enjoyed this movie. It, it's not a strong story, but the um, the acting is incredible. The atmosphere is really good. I love the sound design and the cinematography in it. It's got a really strong side story that I, I wish I was wish was explored more. But overall, I dug this movie. So my number five surprise is going to be Let Him Go. I was going to say, I've never heard of that movie, but I'll trust you on that one, Phoenix. Um <laughs> My number four is a movie who that has a pretty, I would say, it would probably say bad rating on, on Letterboxd. I think it has like a two, seven, two, five, maybe Jesus. somewhere in that range. Um, I'm pretty sure I'm going to check that. But um, my number four is Irresistible. Um, it's a political satire film, which I really enjoyed um, Phoenix obviously didn't based on that reaction, but I thought this was, was a lot of fun. Um, Steve Carell was in it. He did um, very well. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed him in this. It has a two sticks. So, you know, pretty bad. Uh, Rose Byrne was also in this. She was probably the, the standout, but um, as political satires go, I, I thought it was a, a good film and, it was definitely one of my first surprises of the year. My number four was my what's good last week. And that's uncle Frank. Mm. Um, this is a movie that nobody knows about. I feel <laughs> like I am the only person that talks about this movie. Um, you know, it, it's got a three, six on letterbox, which for the year 2020 is, is hall of fame status. Um, <laughs> Paul Bettany delivers a Oscar, nominated performance but he won't be nominated because like i said i'm the only person alive that knows about this movie um it was great like like we said this is a big year for for lgbt movies and this is another fantastic one um paul bettany is just great i turned on my tv looking for for 2020 to watch had no idea i knew i had two hours to spare Looked at this one, saw the runtime, saw it had good reviews on Letterboxd, decided to check it out, and I absolutely loved it. So, um, Uncle Frank, uh, probably the last time anyone will ever say that that title again, but it comes in at number four for me. Until Nathan uh, turns it into the gift and says it another time for what's good in a couple weeks. <laughs> oh, goodness. My mom's actually listening right now, and she says she has it on her list. So, she has heard of it, Nathan. I'm going to watch Yes, I love it. Thank you. <laughs> shout yeah. out KJ's mom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and I guess shout out to my mom again. We actually watched my fourth movie together, um, Invisible Man. Um, I didn't know what to expect, especially when the movie revolves around an invisible person. You know, it's kind of iffy, <laughs> uh, especially when you uh, read the description and all of that, but went into it with decent expectations. Um, did exactly what I wanted it to do. Had like the thriller feel, jump scares, and then a twist at the end. Um, always love a good little twist um, and really has you on your toes. So really enjoyed this movie. 
Um, that's why I have it at number four. All right. My number four is going to be a movie that I know Nathan and Nick are going to disagree with. And that's why I'm so excited to share it with you all. And that is okay. his house. Uh, his oh house. Oh, my God. <laughs> 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 Talk I, about no story. <laughs> Jesus. I really oh enjoyed God. this what movie. A trash movie. <laughs> Uh, I can't I really, believe we reviewed this movie on our show. I really can't. I really that's, that's enjoyed his house. I thought it was a really great movie. It does have some issues, no doubt about it. But, some. But, what do you mean some? But We're like it has all issues. Phoenix, Phoenix really, really tricked us into watching this movie. He really did. Yeah, really. Hey guys, this is great. This guy hates it. He's got some mind controllers. <laughs> he, he's got some mind control powers, man. He he really fooled us into watching this. I, yeah, I, really. I, I enjoyed this. Like I said, some issues definitely, but like stylistically, I thought it was great. Uh, I loved our, our, the acting in it. I love our, the acting from the two leads. And I just thought it was a really fresh, original immigrant story. I love the perspective that it takes. It, it had yes, it has some issues, but I dig this movie. I dug it. I dug it a lot. So well, this house, I, one of my big surprises of the year. I, I I seriously think that there's something that Phoenix isn't telling us because <laughs> I think he's got everybody mind controlled because this has a 100% on Rotten Tomato. Which please explain that. I don't know what it has on Letterbox. <laughs> probably knows. Um, I think it's, there's something Phoenix isn't telling us. It's got a three five. Yeah, yeah. there's something that Phoenix is telling us about this movie, but <laughs> my number three um, is I'm thinking of ending things. Oh! What? <laughs> uh, shut oh, up, Phoenix. God! <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is uh, a movie that Phoenix is, is wrong about. Um, Nathan? Oh, wow. Okay, see, now I can see it. Um you know Charlie Kaufman is a is a fantastic writer. Um, can't wait to see more of of him writing. Nathan and I are going to watch Cinedoce New York eventually. Um, but not Cinedoce. <laughs> but this movie, I think it, I'm pretty sure it just came out on Netflix, and and we were like, oh, let's just watch it. Like I think we were going to talk about it for the show just because it was a bigger release and. I knew Charlie Kaufman was behind it and that's pretty much all I knew about it. So this was a big surprise, uh, a fantastic story, um, fantastic double Jesse action, um, in the two lead roles. You would think that this would be boring. Um, like Phoenix is talking about, it's a lot of conversation, but it's, it's a great movie. Um, and was my number one for, for a long time for this year. I'm sorry to do this to you, Phoenix. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. <laughs> Phoenix is not like I'm thinking of ending things because he does not understand it. No, not true. It is. Not true. <laughs> this yeah. movie is my number three as well. And it is one Boo. that just takes you <laughs> on a mental roller coaster. You know, oh, Nick and I were watching this and not spoiling anything in case you out there want to watch this. Nick and I were watching this and we were like, are they aliens? Is there robots? 
Is this is this the multiverse? I think they're aliens. That is how crazy this movie will get. And listen, like I, I I'm not surprised that Phoenix doesn't like it. Brandon doesn't like it either. It's a very polarizing movie because it does not give you straightforward answers. You have to look up what it means. You can't watch it and expect to know what's going to happen because it's just so ambiguous. It plays games with your mind. You know, the reason this makes my surprise list is because so many people told me how boring it was. It's so slow. They have like 40 minute car scenes just with two people talking about nothing. So multiple people told Nathan and I that we were not going to like it. Yes. We had our roommate. We had knowing class, knowing Nick and I's tastes. So many people said, you guys are going to hate this. So I went in expecting to hate this and I did not. I love it. It's my second best movie of the year. And I'm thinking of ending things is great. No, it is not. (laughs) No, it is not. They literally just proved my point. A movie more concerned with the conversation about it than the actual movie itself. It's trash. Go no, ahead, KJ. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. All righty. Um, my number three going Hulu this time. Uh, run. Very yeah. surprising about this movie. Very surprised about this movie. Um, that I actually liked it. Personally, I don't think Hulu does a great job with their um, movie originals or movies on Hulu. But this one was very enjoyable. Watch it with my friends. Um, had not as much as a twist as the Invisible Man, but it was still there. You didn't really know what w- exactly was going on for the whole course of the movie. Um, and then you find out at the end exactly what is going on. I like that. Um, I like movies where your mind wanders. Um, and I think it was pretty well put together. Uh, so Run is my number three. Excellent, excellent choice. All right, so for my number three, uh, <laughs> I'm going with uh, Tenet. Uh, I think Tenet was. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh my god! Uh, so I'm just Nathan kidding. Flipped out. <laughs> he almost Thank said, god. "See ya" to that new mic. <laughs> Thank God you're joking. Thank oh, God. Oh man, no. Uh, I'm going with a movie that actually, when I saw in theaters, I was very like, just kind of just upset with. But the more I thought about it, the more I liked it. And then it hasn't left my head since then. And I saw this like back in October. Uh, so that's uh, Kajillionaire. It's a movie. Uh, Kajillionaire. Yeah, Kajillionaire by Miranda July. I think I, I picked this as one of my what's good uh, a few weeks ago. Um, yeah. This is just a fantastic movie about just learning oneself after, you know, being in in a bubble for so long uh, and just discovering life is different than you believe it to be. Uh, It's such a quirky comedy. It's not, but it's more drama. I've written about it. I think it's fantastic. It's a great movie. Uh, Miranda July does a great job. Evan Rachel Wood, who stars in it, is incredible. Deborah Winger returns and is is fantastic. Richard Jenkins gives a great performance. So there's a lot to like in this movie. I really enjoyed it. I really hope it sees some love come Oscar season. So that's going to be my number three. Probs not, but Probably I think not. you, you with Kajillionaires like Nathan with Uncle Frank, like you're the only one who speaks Kajillionaire. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, 
my number two is is hopefully I think on Nathan's list somewhere, and that's the banker. Um, oh, this come is. On. <laughs> what do you mean, Phoenix? Please enlighten us. What do you uh, mean? It's it's not bad. It's just not that great. <laughs> All right. Well, I totally disagree. This was my number one movie before I'm thinking of ending things came along and it's just totally out of nowhere. This is Apple's, I believe first original movie. Um, Samuel Jackson, um, is in this Anthony Mackie is in this. Um, it's just a, a fantastic movie. And that really just came out of nowhere. Um, I didn't know what this was about. And it's it's a great film. I think if I were to rewatch it again, I'd probably upgrade it to four stars. But that is my number two, The Banker. Yeah, my my number two for biggest surprise is The Banker as well. Yeah, you know, oh we <laughs> we talked a little bit about it last week when we talked about Ma Rainey because they tackle similar subjects, and I think The Banker has better emotional punch than Ma Rainey does. As far as they let it sit with you, they let it sit with the audience. They take you in. It's so nice seeing Anthony Mackie not in a superhero suit because he's a fantastic actor. I just want to see him branch out into other roles. And, of course, Samuel L. Jackson is is the wise, cracking old man, as always. Um, but Nicholas Holt is fantastic in this movie. One thing that I love about The Banker is they take a complicated subject with banks and money and savings and this and that and that, all that financial jargon and make it easy to understand. The big short does not do that. The big short says we're moving at a hundred miles an hour. If you don't understand, you're getting left behind. The banker makes a very tough subject, easy to understand. And I think that's where a lot of people are overlooking it. The banker is at number two for me. Still haven't gotten around to seeing that. Um, my mom and I plan on watching that one together before I go back to school. So looking forward to it. Looking forward. You're to not it. missing much. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be great, KJ. Go listen to Phoenix. <laughs> Watch his house instead. Phoenix probably <laughs> Phoenix probably has Emily runs a marathon at, at number one. So you can't you can't trust him. You can't trust him over there. Oh goodness. Uh, uh. My number two um, is actually going to be our movie that we spoke about today. So um, that's where I have it. Haven't seen nearly as many movies as you all. Um, seen a decent amount, and this definitely ends up in my top five. And at this point, very close to the top. Um, I think it was very well done. And we already talked about it, so I won't go any further into it. All right. So my number two is going to be uh, Happiest Season. I think uh, I love this movie. I love this movie to pieces. It's fantastic. I don't know what Nick is on. I don't know what he has against this movie, but Happiest Season. The characters suck. No, no, they do. We 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 got it, Phoenix. We're <laughs> in agreement there. <laughs> yeah, suck. Happiest Season Especially is incredible. Oh, you you stop it. <laughs> Mackenzie Davis and Kristen Stewart She's the worst. Are, are, She's the worst of the bunch. Are incredible. They make a fantastic couple on screen. They they seem like best friends. Oh, no, they don't. Um, yes, they do. I, I got Plaza. you, Phoenix. Right. Yes, they do. 
Harvey Plaza's in this, oh and she's God. incredible. Dan Levy, who brings out the comedy in this movie, is absolutely insane. It's a Hulu original. If you haven't gotten around to seeing it, please check it out. We talked about it on our Christmas episode. Uh, by far one of my one of my favorite Christmas films ever. Uh, it's in the pantheon along with like Home Alone 2, Jingle All the Way, and Die Hard. I also have to have Happiest Season now. So that's that's the big surprise for me. And I got one more about that. My uh, number one, and, and we've talked extensively about this, and I feel like I could even talk more extensively about this, and that is Soul. Um, I thought it was going to be good. I didn't expect it to be this good. Um, this movie's just fantastic, fantastic, fantastic. Um, four and a half stars, probably five stars on, on next rewatch. Movie of the year. Should get nominated for Best Picture. Should win Best Picture. All the above. Let it be known. Let it be heard. Speak Facts. it into existence. Soul for Best Picture. Facts. <laughs> well, um... My most surprising movie of 2020 is Jingle Jangle because <laughs> I was <laughs> I was so surprised that a studio approved this. <laughs> I was surprised that someone wrote this and thought it was okay to actually make it. I'm surprised best actor winner Forrest Whitaker said Yes, yeah. <laughs> sign me up for this. This sounds good. I've won Best Actor. I've been great my whole life. Let me do this shit. So I'm very surprised that happened. Um, but as for, you know, good surprises, what we're doing, um, you know, Nick and I don't watch trailers anymore. We think they give too much away about a movie. I didn't even know who was in this movie. I knew it was getting some Oscar buzz. Um I knew that it was going to be one of the bigger movies to come out. And I knew Netflix put a bunch of money into it. That's pretty much all I knew. I didn't even know who was in it. And then we watched Trial of the Chicago 7. And I was in love with it. You know, it is my best movie of the year so far. I predict it's going to stay that way. You know, I'm not sure with some of these other ones coming out later. Nomadland. But Trial, as of this moment, it's my best movie. It's also my most surprising because I didn't have any expectations going in. I, I didn't know. I hadn't seen a trailer. I hadn't heard any reviews. I just didn't know what to expect. So I sat down. I loved it. Uh, I gave it four and a half stars. To me, this is the best picture winner of 2020 so far. And, um, yeah, this movie was just fantastic all the way around. Most definitely, definitely a good pick. I am going to go with my number one being Ma Rainey. Um, I definitely appreciate this movie and I feel like as time goes on, more people will appreciate and we rewatch or whatever may take place. Um, I definitely feel like my rating could go up. I think I'm at a four or a four or five. I think I rated on our last episode uh, that I was on. So definitely looking forward to rewatching just the way that this really connected with me, um, shed light on some serious things that go on um, within our community now um, and the effects of what happened back then and what we're still living in today. And I just 
really liked the movie, liked how it was done. And of course the amazing actors behind it uh, and actresses as well. Yes, my rating was fantastic. All right, so my number one uh, kind of comes out of nowhere because I really don't even know why I decided to watch this. Um, these Probably guys- Emily runs a marathon <laughs> or, a, or a 2019. Right. These guys know that I have a list of uh, movies I haven't seen yet. And uh, it's always interesting that instead of watching something off the, off of that, that I just find something random <laughs> and watch that instead. And it's a movie no one's heard of. And this is one of those movies. Uh, <laughs> so scrolling through Netflix, found a Netflix original movie and for whatever reason, decided to watch it. And it's been in my top five ever since. And that is Tiger Tail. I love this movie. I think it's fantastic. Just an incredible story about love and loss and, and how we deal with the ramifications of, of choices that we've made in our lives. So for me, yeah, just coming out of nowhere, having nothing of, knowing nothing about it and just randomly deciding to watch it, it has been one of the biggest surprises of the year for me. All right. So, so there we go. There's yes. our top five. So everyone, we got for for number one most surprising, we got Soul, Trial of Chicago Seven, Tiger Tail, Ma Rainey. Most disappointing, we got Tenant, Tenant, Mank. <laughs> nothing else matters. <laughs> and KJ, what, what was yours again? Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Yeah. Birds of Prey. <laughs> Mank. Tenant. Tenant. I can get behind all those. So. Yeah, exactly. Good choices, my friends. It's definitely been a disappointing year, but um, hopefully as we roll into 2021, uh, we have a great year for movies. Well, it's that time, guys. It's time for Film Code. So, uh, it was my co-word this week. Um, well, as of right now, Nathan holds a substantial lead with seven wins. Uh, Nick following closely behind with five. KJ still yet to get on the board, and I've only got three. So, let's see. Uh, hopefully, no one gets this because I, 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 uh, hopefully Nathan doesn't get this because it'd be really hard to catch up after <laughs> with three wins. All right, so your clues were, your code word was Detroit, and your clues were a film that took place between 1990 and 1999. It involves someone from the Terminator franchise, and one of the actors appeared in a DC superhero franchise. So, given those clues, uh, Nathan, you have the lead, so why don't you kick us off? What Let's you're see. gonna let these guys copy what I say? You know what? You're no. right. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Okay. You have the right. lead. KJ, you 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 need to get a point on the board, so I'll, we'll let you kick off. What is your guess for the code word? All righty. Um. So, going based off of the clues here, somebody that played in a DC universe. Um. I have Linda Hamilton here. She played in Batman Beyond and a television series as well. And she was a voice actor for the DC, for DC as well. Um, she played in Term Terminator, the most recent one. Um, 
I have a movie from 1997, and that is Shadow Conspiracy. They takes place in D.C., but Chicago plays a huge part in the movie. Oh, Chicago, Detroit, my fault. <laughs> huge part um, in the movie. Um, so that is my pick, Shadow Conspiracy. Excellent pick. Excellent pick. Nick, what do you got? Yes. Um, so I'm going to go with a 1993 classic it's actually right here on this poster um and that is true romance directed by tony scott 1993 falls in between the gaps gary oldman was obviously um the name is blanking to me now commissioner gordon Mm -hmm. in the batman movies um i didn't have enough time to to see if uh, there was a Terminator connection, but I assume there is somewhere in there, or at least I hope. Um, so that is my true romance. All right, Nathan. You know, you I, I looked through and through for true, ma- true romance. I found the Gary Oldman connection, Brad Pitt too, if you're getting really technical for his two seconds in Deadpool too. <laughs> um, but I couldn't find a Terminator relation. Maybe there is one, and that's the that's the answer, Phoenix. But I couldn't find one, so I didn't go with it. Um, so I went with 1999's Detroit Rock City. I don't know. I I, I don't that think hilarious. I don't think Phoenix would say <laughs> the code words Detroit and then have it in the title. I don't right. think he'd do that. But this fits all three clues. If it's wrong, at least it fits all three, and it's viable. Um, so Detroit Oops. Rock City came out in 1999. Obviously, Detroit's in the title. We got uh, Edward Furlong is in Terminator 2, and he's also in Terminator Dark Fate. And then Sam Huntington is in the Superman franchise from early 2000s. He's in Superman Returns. Um, so judging by Phoenix's reactions, that's probably not right, but at least it fits the category at least it checks off all the boxes so i'm I'm happy enough with that (laughs) all right well those were great guesses guys uh and i really can't believe this but nathan got it right again are you kidding me are you kidding me how did you do this (laughs) yes that reaction superman returns edward furlong stars in detroit rock city yes the Detroit is in the title. Yes. There I was. mean, when when I was naming off those actors, you were making faces. You were like, who is that? I don't <laughs> I don't know if you were wanting me to to, to pull out and change, but my goodness, I got I got a three point lead. Oh looks like I'll be God. looks like I'll be set for months, boys. So <laughs> thanks for playing. Detroit Rock City is one of my favorite movies of all time. It really is. That movie's hilarious. Yes, I love it to pieces. I, I the confessional can't. scene hilarious yeah, yeah. like hilarious <laughs> so good and i'm i cannot believe nathan got oh my god that's ridiculous great job nathan he now has an eight point lead <laughs> a well, three no, point it, lead he has eight I points I, I think i've hit three in a row yeah i tried yeah. to throw you guys off by putting the title in the code word it clearly didn't work for nathan <laughs> but yeah good job so all right well i believe it's my code word this week so i gotta do all what's possible to defend a three-point deficit so expect this to be extremely hard and phoenix (laughs) 
I'll text you the correct answer. <laughs> you too, KJ. I appreciate if you're, it. If you're on next week, I'll text you guys the answer. Get me on and the And Nathan will still probably get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm a code, code breaker, baby. Right, right. All right, so we got to get up out of here, guys. Uh, KJ, tell everybody where they can find you. Yes, sir. So you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Kurt Jr. K-U-R-T-J-U-N-I-O-R underscore. Um, as well as connect with me on LinkedIn. You know, we all business people around here. So <laughs> I would like to see some connections pop up. But that's all for me. I uh, enjoyed my time here and uh, hope to be back one day. Absolutely. We love having you on that. Nick, where can everybody find you? Yep, you can find me at Nick Spain on Letterboxd. Uh, Christmas season is officially over now that Boxing Day is over as well. Um, so probably won't be watching as many Hallmark movies. Didn't get around to as much this year as last year, just with scheduling and everything. So now I, I would claim I am the CEO of the movie poster. Um, <laughs> Got to knock this out. I got it in April. The goal is to finish it by April 4th, um, finish it within a year. So I think that's a, a good, solid goal. Um, but I'll be watching that. I'm starting my Pixar watch through, so look for that. Um, Stanley Kubrick watch through and 2010 Oscars. So I got a lot on my plate um, and, of course, 2020. So lots of movies coming out. So look for that. Cool. All right. And uh, our current reigning code word champion, Nathan Pig, where can everybody find you, sir? You can find me on Letterboxd at Nathan Pig. Follow along. I'm doing the 100 posters, 100 movies poster with Nick as well. Uh, so you can see our different takes on, on those movies. I'm also doing Stanley Kubrick, doing a bunch of this Oscar stuff, trying to stack my 2020 releases. And yeah, make sure you follow the show over on Twitter at FilmCodePod. We do a ton of great stuff to interact with you guys over on that platform. Ton of conversations, whether it's about superhero movies, performances, favorites, you're missing out if you're not following us over on Twitter at FilmCodePod. However you're listening to us right now, if you could please drop a thumbs up or a five stars, however the rating system works. I know it's cliche to ask. I'm sorry, but we're still growing as a podcast and it really does help. So if you made it this far, chances are you're enjoying. We'd really like that. And just thank you guys so much for listening. I want to thank KJ for being on once again. He's a great guest host. I want to thank Phoenix for all the work he does on the show, as well as Nick. These guys are fantastic co-hosts. Really appreciate everything we're doing. And I want to shout out Brandon as well. Our other co-host who's not here with us because of scheduling, but you know, in a year where movies have been disappointing, this podcast has definitely not been. So just want to say thank you to you guys for, for this show. Absolutely. And uh, to a prosperous 2021, we can we sincerely hope. Uh, my name is Phoenix Cloud. And guys, you can find me on Twitter at IMHOReviews1. That's the number one. And at uh, Letterboxd under PA Clowden. Uh, we will see you guys. Oh, and of course, as always, follow the show on Twitter at Film Code Pod, and we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for everybody for joining us. We're out of here. Peace. <laughs>